In this episode, we're breaking down the last four of the eight Sabbaths. So this is a continuation of the previous episode. So we are again diving into how these ancient pagan holidays are still influencing us today, how most of our modern holidays come from these, and how some things are straight up stolen and hijacked and misunderstood and used against us. I can't wait for you to dive in. This is Heather Wood and Jamie Hayhurst. This is the Intuitive Girl's Guide. Hey, Jamie, are you ready to talk about the last four Sabbaths? Are you ready to dive in? Yes. Okay. We're going to start with one of my favorites, Ostara. I know. You love it. I do. I love me some Ostara. The The next two are my favorite. And, you know, it's interesting because they say that the Sabbaths that you're born closest to are the ones that you'll end up feeling the most drawn to. Okay. Um which I don't think is true for everyone, but it is something to look into. So which ones are you born closest to? I've never heard that before. My birthday's in July. Oh, so you would be like, Moonus God, because that's August and like midsummer. Hmm. I also like the, the Maybon too. I mean, it's, it's kind of close to that one. That's my fave. It is. Yeah, Maybon, that would make sense. All right, well... Ostara is March 22nd is when this happens. And this is on the spring equinox. This was our ancestors going like, oh my gosh, thank goodness. We made it through the winter. Spring is here. Everything is lighter and easier. Let's celebrate. I think it's important to note, like to take yourself out of this, like your modern day life and put yourself, like you say, back in the day and like, this is a time when you were harvesting in the fall and preparing for the winter. But if you didn't have food in the winter, you didn't have food in the winter. So imagine like the actual exhilaration that you would feel making, literally living, surviving through that time and knowing that you did it, you survived, you had enough food, you made your way through. Yes. You could not, take a run to Trader Joe's for your favorite snacks to get you through winter. <laughs> right. It's a different, it's a different ball game when you're, when you are living like that, that's a different survival. Exactly. So this is a very important, um, pagan Sabbath because this really was a celebration of new life. Like this is, this is the theme. Um, Ostara, the term comes from, um, it's a German pagan term and it, Ostara was the god of spring. Right. She's also a virgin goddess, by the way, just to add in that term again. Right. The old, exactly. the old virgin term, not the new one. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, um, this whole season has a theme I'm going to call resurrection. <laughs> Good way to way to push everyone's buttons. Okay, that's my job. All right. So across so many different cultures, there are resurrection stories. Okay, so these are stories where gods and goddesses took trips to either the land of the dead or the underworld or whatever term that they would use. They struggled to return. They got sort of stuck there and then ultimately triumphed and were resurrected back to the land of the living. Right. 
I'm just going to name some of the most popular ones in, in case you want to look them up. But um, here's some Odin, Addis, Osiris, uh, Mithras, Hera, and Persephone all have that story. Persephone is my fave. I know. I love, I love me some Persephone. So, um, Jay, does that, does that sort of remind you of any modern day religious story? Well, yeah, the resurrection of Christ for Easter. Yes. Okay. So there you go. That comes from this theme here. Okay. Um, this was a big time to party. Like our pagan ancestors were partying their asses off that they survived. Like you said before, this was hard and you got to spring and the flowers started blooming and the crops were going to come through. Like you were grateful. So you were, you were feasting and you were drinking. Exactly. Um, and St. Patrick's day is also a, where there's a lot of celebration connected to some of these pagan things that would be like a, the, the modern religion sort of tie. Right. Exactly. Okay. So there was a goddess, um, and her name was Istra. And so it's spelled E O S T R E. And I've also seen it spelled O O S T R A. Yes. Um, and she was, um, a Teuton is the name of this culture, and I'll refer. I want to talk about that culture in one second. But she was the their goddess of spring. Okay. okay. Dara was the German one, and um, Istra was the Teuton one. Right. Um, right. Sounds like I was gonna say this is where they take the term Easter from. Right. Okay. Um, so if you think think of Ostara and Istra, those two goddesses as very similar representing the same things they are both goddesses of everything to do with spring so they're kind of used interchangeable but what i wanted to say about the teutons or the teutonic pagan tribes right. is that like a, a the, around the fourth century is when these this tribe was like very prevalent okay. um in the back then obviously there weren't the countries the way that they are now right the closest I can get is that they were very close to German and Rome, like they were in this area. And I also want to just say that um, calling someone a Teuton in Germany can be used as a derogatory term. So I am just referencing the culture. I'm not trying to, uh, I'm not trying to use that term in a bad way at all. To know, right. Yeah. Um, okay. So remember before I, I told you that there was a, um, a sexy Sabbath, a Sabbath I had nicknamed sexy yeah. Sabbath. <laughs> Yeah, I that, like that. That's Ostara. Okay. okay. That's this one. This is the sexy Sabbath. So you know how on Valentine's Day now for couples, it's sort of like, I don't want to say it's obligatory that you have sex, but it's sort of assumed. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That was how it was on Ostara. Okay. Okay. Yes. So again, it, it, this was a sexy, sexy time. Like, let's just go with that. This it's about if spring. You, fertility. Yes. If you, you sort of like compare Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day is a weird hijacking of both Ostara and right. Elk. Um, but like you, you take the idea of like, like romance and like wooing someone and having a nice dinner and then, you know, having a little fun when you get home. That is, that's much more Ostara. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, so the lily, which is now in modern day culture, sort of a, a Christian symbol of Easter and I think something you send to people when somebody dies. Am I right about that? Yes. And that's because of like the idea of resurrection. Like I think it, I think it's like a nod to that. Not that the human's going to be resurrecting, but like the, like the hope and the faith of, of the resurrection. Exactly. Okay. Well, a funeral flower. That's what we call it in my house. Cause that's like what a funeral home smells like is lilies. Exactly. So Back in this time, the lily was like the ancient engagement ring. Wow, really? Yeah. So if you if you were a guy and you brought a lily to the girl you liked, you were proposing. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, you also have to understand, and I'm going to talk about this um, in a future, when we get to a future um, sabbat, I don't want to give it away, but um, you also have to remember that, like, weddings and getting married had a very different sort of connotation to it. Like it wasn't like if you asked someone to marry them, you went into this like strict time of courting and then got like, that wasn't how this was going. Right. Exactly. Maybe it's more like a promise ring. It's like, let's go steady. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Okay. So there was also a Teutonic tradition of wearing new clothes on Ostara. It was considered bad luck to wear your spring clothes before Ostara. So a big part of this holiday was like showing off the, this clothes that you, I mean, you were making your own clothes back then. So you would keep them hidden and then everyone would come out in their new awesome spring outfits. So it's like when I had to wear a dress and those frilly socks and those bonnets on my head when I was little on Easter. Mm -hmm. That's exactly. That's a, a pagan Teutonic tradition. If someone had explained it that way, maybe I would have been more willing to do it. I hated yeah, that. Exactly. It's not wearing your Sunday best. It's it's wearing your spring best because it would have been bad luck to wear it before now. Yes. Right. Okay. Um, a big symbol of Ostara is the egg because the egg represented fertility and new life. Right. So that's the Easter egg. Yeah. And I'd like to tell you a little story about an egg and a rabbit. <laughs> That's okay. <with> you. <laughs> Let's hear it. Okay. So in, this is across a bunch of different cultures, which again, I find so super cool that the same stories are being used. If they were just sort of divinely given somehow, or if the word traveled and people adopted them, I don't know. I'm going to say probably a little bit of both, but this right. is something, this is a, an ancient story and fable that can be found in a lot of different cultures. But the story goes, that a lowly rabbit wanted to honor Istra, the goddess of spring. Okay. okay. Um, and in order to do that, he decided to take some eggs, which represented Ostara and spring in new life and decorate them. He laid them out to like in a way that would honor the goddess and then presented them to her. She was so touched by this display of of just like honoring from this lowly rabbit that she bestowed on him the duty to go around and to give all humans that feeling on Osara or Istra or Easter and to give them decorated eggs as well. There you go. Now it makes sense. Yeah. Because then uh, a bunny and eggs doesn't really go together. <laughs> right. Well, 
And I think that that's why now you have people that are like, what's with the bunnies and the eggs on Easter when Christ died and he's being reborn? And how are any of these tied together? And that will drive some people who are like very religious, like very much into their religion. It will it will make them shun all of these what they think are modern they think the bunny and the egg are all like this consumerist capitalist cell right but like it'll make them go closer to their religion and shun everything else but for the rest of us now we can understand that it's this mingling of all these traditions all these cultures and now it makes actually makes sense exactly and from from this story and in this tradition um, what also came of it is that people would decorate and give each other eggs, which might sound like weird and random, but again, go back to the times, you know, right. you couldn't run to target and get somebody a gift. Um, the egg, like chickens beginning to lay eggs again, and that being something that you've got giving somebody one of your precious eggs and decorating it. Like that was a huge gesture back then. Yes. That's a fancy gift to give. That's something that's something honorable. Yes, exactly. I want to also point out that there was a Mexican tradition of, of decorating eggs, but you would hollow them out. So you would take out the stuff, put mm-hmm. tape in the holes, and then you would decorate the hollowed out eggs. I'm going to try to say this correctly. I believe it's called a cascarone when you do that. Forgive me if I'm mispronouncing that, but... Um, again, across all cultures, we're using eggs and things, right? Because um, they have the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last two things I want to say is that another symbol of Ostara was the lamb, because this is when lambs began to be born. Yep. Again, yep. that's something you see. Um, and then this is where witches would start planting their herb gardens. And these were used for medicinal purposes um, and healing and and magic rituals, magic with a K as well. Right. Okay. That's, that's my Ostara talk. Perfect. That's that's really, I think, very informative. Okay. I'm glad you think so. All right. Let's move on to Beltane. Okay. So this um, again, a couple different spellings, different pronunciations. Do you say it the same way I do? I say Beltane. Yep, same. Okay. All right. So this is a Sabbath that falls on May 1st. Mm-hmm. Um, and Beltane was the Irish um, death god. So they think that that uh, um, may be where it comes from, spelled differently. but um, And also the idea of bale fires was... Fire was a big part of every Sabbat. So if you feel you feel like you like to sit around a fire, especially at a holiday, like that's that's because it was an ancient part of all of these. But bale fires specifically at this time of year were a big deal. Right. Um this Sabbath where the where the last one was the sexy Sabbath. Oh sorry, I was a sexy one. This is the this is the fertile Sabbath. This is all about, about fertility. Right. And again, you got to hear that as not just people, as like the land and livestock and, and things that people were depending on to live. Right, exactly. You need fertility. Exactly. So it's all about fertility and celebrating life. Okay. Um, there was a lot of different traditions that I found that had to do with these bale fires. And on, on sundown on April 30th, um, some cultures did on moonrise. Moonrise was a big fun term that I wish we would bring back, but 
Like I want to, I want to tell you that I'm going to meet you somewhere at moonrise. <laughs> Do that. Okay. But either at sundown or moonrise on April 30th, so the eve of Beltane, people would um, put out their old fires and and light a new one. And so in many cultures, they would have one big village fire, and everyone would take a piece of that that new fire home to their own home and start the fire from that. This was a big tradition on Beltane. Yeah, there are big fire festivals now. When people celebrate Beltane now, there's big, almost like Burning Man type of fires. Yes, these were considered very important for a lot of different things. But think of it also in the fertility aspect of keeping your ancestral line going. The fires were also representing that. And I would like to point out that the English royal family to this day does this fire tradition to celebrate Beltane. Wow, that's impressive. I've not heard They are famously Catholic, right? So I just think that's a real interesting little tidbit I want to throw out there for you. Wow. Um, Some other things that they would do would be to toss holly sprigs or other aromatic herbs into the fire. Um, If you have never done that, I highly suggest it. It smells lovely. Let's talk for a second about May Day poles, Jay. <laughs> oh, I love a May pole. I love it. I love it. So modern day May Day celebrations are all coming from Beltane. Right. So what they would do is they would have a pole. And you can probably describe this a little bit better than me. Do you want to say what they, what people would do with this pole and the dancing? So there's a pole, like a very tall pole, and there are ribbons tied from the top that fall down. And so people stand and everyone holds one ribbon. And then they dance in this choreographed dance that weaves together all the ribbons. And so when you get to the bottom of it, it's all woven together down and it becomes one piece around. Mm -hmm. So... This was a ancient fertility ritual. Yes, the pole being the phallic piece. Exactly. So for, again, people who get their panties in a bunch over the idea of fertility or sex being something that is just a part of culture and celebrated, um, when I see you having your kids do the May Day celebrations with the ribbons I would like to go up and point out like hey this is a fertility ritual which you absolutely should be doing and it was not just for people again it was for land and for the livestock and everything like just pointing out if you participated in this again you participated in a pagan ritual this is what this was right exactly the Nordic people while they did this celebration would attach bells to their shoes, which, so you can see this a lot of times in the May Day stuff, people are still doing this. Um, This was again for the frequency and to ward off Faye. Right. There is this really cool um, Italian pagan tradition I want to tell you about, Jay. And I totally think that everyone should rub this in their, um, their mate's face, your partner, whatever, however, whatever you call them. I think you should totally use this against them. Okay, so there was a tradition where the men would climb the Alps 
and look for a very elusive flower at this time of year called Edelweiss. I'm sure oh. you've heard the song from yes. Yeah. They would pick this flower and go give it to the person that they loved. Wow. No one's climbed the Alps for me. Same. So, like, next time you ask, like, your husband to take the trash out or bring you flowers or something, you can be like, it's not like I asked you to climb the Alps to get me some Edelweiss. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's not that hard. Oh, my gosh. No pressure. Such a cool, a cool tradition. And there's actually a movie. Um, I remember watching this in my childhood. It's really cool. It's called The Bride Who Wore Red. It came out in 1937. And that it actually depicts that that exact tradition so you can watch it if you want to wow okay um remember the great horned god that we previously talked about that was never evil but was sort of portrayed as the devil by christian culture yep okay he comes now and unites with the mother goddess this is what all of these festivals the may day polls all of this is representing the um, great horned god uniting with mother goddess. God and goddess are back together. Okay. Okay. So you can see this depicted in many different ways. They have, in, in many different cultures, they found um, Egyptian hieroglyphs. Um, many ancient cave walls are showing this. This is, this is something depicted in something called the great rite passage. Rite being R-I-T-E. Right. Gotcha. Okay. So I want to talk about this because this is um, another hijacked and portrayed scary, creepy culture thing. So right. let's, you and I just tend to lean right into those. So let's yeah. do that. <laughs> okay. So what they mean when they say unite is that they mean that they have sex and that the sex is to unite the energies together. Correct. Okay. So this was depicted in a lot of different ways. Um, they, they're in, in like sort of sexual ways and also just like putting a knife in a chalice like this, this was what this whole holiday was about. Right. Like a sword and a sheath. Exactly. Now I have seen many a movie where there's a bunch of people in a circle and there's a guy in a, a goat great horned mask, yes. like actually having sex with a very young girl. And they're, they're trying to say that this is what that pagan tradition is. Mm-hmm. That's not what it is. <laughs> okay. People were, uh, were honoring the, the God and the goddess by having sex. Absolutely. But, not typically in the middle of a circle and there wasn't a young girl and an old guy in a, a creepy goat mask. That is again, a, a sort of construct of misconstruing this whole thing. Right. Making it ugly and scary and dirty. Yes, exactly. So I, I'd like to point that out. Also, um, after the God and goddess completed their rite of passage, however you want to portray that in your mind, um, they would wear flower crowns. Oh, okay. For fertility, for the blooming of the flower. Exactly. So typically you would put on a flower crown back then if you had 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 sex on Beltane. Oh, nice. Interesting. So just keep that in mind. (laughs) That makes things different now in my head. (laughs) Right. Okay. Um, 
I also want to address another element of this with patriarchal criticism coming in. Okay, because this is another misunderstood concept concept when it comes to pagan culture. So the story of the old god dying, the virgin goddess giving birth to another god, and then that god coming and them having a rite of passage, the patriarchal culture went, um, this is incest that the pagans are celebrating. Ah, gotcha. This was not seen as incestual. For a bunch no. of reasons. Okay. First, this was all symbolic. Okay. Like, right. It, was, it wasn't about a, a mother goddess having sex with her son god. That was never what it was about. It was it was representing the energy of masculine energy being reborn and feminine energy being constant and them uniting and coming together. It was right. not promoting incest. No. And it was okay. all, like you said, it was, it was symbolism. It wasn't literal it was symbolism of divine masculine and divine feminine energy so when you hear that and like if that gets you cringy or you see it depicted wrongly in a movie i just want you to have that in your mind that this was symbolically being done it wasn't it wasn't something people were worshiping it was that was the symbolism of the gods and the goddesses and the gods and goddesses were seen as different than human as well exactly exactly felt that was important. Yeah, no, um, that is important. Yeah. And also our our um pagan ancestors were not prudish like we are today. So like if somebody was questioning like a sexy topic, it was just talked about. It wasn't uh like, ooh, we can't talk about this here kind of thing. Right. Well all that's been shut down in us so that we are disconnected from ourselves and our bodies and our power. So now it's something that we fear and we don't feel like we can talk about. Exactly. Um, all right. The last thing I want to say about about Beltane, again, I could keep going on, but I'm going to reel it in. I'm just going to tell you that this was a big time for Native Americans to go on vision quests. Mm. So they would um, go, they would fast and then they would go out by themselves into the woods or into a certain area. And a big part of vision quests in a lot of cultures were seeing what the first um, animal is that they would come across like springtime animal and adopting some of their, their traits and energy into their year. Right. Perfect. So I'm just going to encourage people on Beltane on May 1st to like, go see what the first animal or bird is that you spot and go look up some of the energetic significance to that animal and incorporate it into your life. So you can do your own little vision quest. Love it. So easy. Right. Okay. We'll be right back after this short break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Next, we have Midsummer. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is June 22nd. So also, this is the summer solstice. Right. This is the peak of summer. <laughs> um, and the energy of this Sabbath is all about protection. Okay. So picture a very pregnant mother goddess. Okay. So if... 
if the like Ostara and Beltane, you think of the maiden goddess, right? Now yeah. we're thinking of the mother goddess, so like a big, full-bellied, very pregnant mother goddess. Okay. It, it's just like how the earth is. It's very pregnant and about to to bloom with flowers and with um, fruit and crops and tree. Like all of this is happening now. Exactly. Okay, so that's what it represents. So your our concerns shift from fertility, like making sure everything's fertile, to making sure everything is safe and protected, that you've put all this time and energy in that you need to survive because it's just about to come. Like let's let's get it there. Makes exactly. sense. Yep. So this is like a focus on healthy birth. You see this kind of term, but again, this is referring to the land. It's referring to their livestock giving birth. Right. That's what we're talking about. Okay. Um, so at this time they say that the sun, so the father God is at his peak. So he's very protective and nurturing to the mother God, the mother goddess at this time. Okay. Yep. Um, and this is a time when our pagan ancestors, ancestors would do a lot of things to bring in protection. Okay. So some examples would be like in South America, they would do the God's eye weaving. Have you ever seen that Jay, where it's like the cross and then you'd weave in sort of like an eye. Yes. Beautiful. So before the cross was symbolic in Christian culture, it was symbolic and pointed out the four elements, right? And also the four directions. So it was considered uh, like a very, an honoring of nature, but a symbol of protection because you'd bring in all four elements. Right. And then the God's eye represented the father God watching over you. So they would make these. Um, Native American version would be like a Buckeye. I always think of those candies. You know what I mean? Like that would be something that they would use now. Our ancestors, our pagan ancestors, loved making amulets on Midsummer. This was oh, their favorite. Okay, okay so um, some of the, the most popular things to use in your amulets were lavender, something called vervain. I'm not exactly sure what that is. Um, and pine cones. Yeah. Okay, so you would put that on, and it was for protection of you, but also protection of all of the, the land you had and the 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 crops and things that you were invested in. Right. Right. Okay. This is a big time for drying your herbs and ma making potions. Right. Yep. So for my essential oil loving people, I happen to be one of them. This was the time where you'd like start making your stuff. Right. And then you'd have them throughout the year. Yeah. You use them for medicinal purposes, energetic purposes, ritual purposes, all kinds of stuff. Right. Okay. Um, this is very early witchcraft still looked down upon today in a lot of cultures for sure. Right. Um, blueprinting leaves was a big deal. I, I did this as a kid. Did you ever do that, Jay? What is that? So you, so the modern version of this is that you go out and you find different leaves and plants and you like put them in glass and sort of like compress them and then put them in a book and label what they are. Oh yeah, I did that. Yes. So this was done back then to sort of keep track of what things were. And then you would sort of pass this on. So you would like pass these blueprints on to the next generation. So they would know what herbs were safe to eat, what, you know, what herbs were good for what purposes. This was all done around this time. Love that. There's a Korean tradition where they would bless all of their fruit trees with a specially made manure that included um, herbs. Wow. 
I know. Very cool. Right. Um, this is also a time where, um, pagans would do circle rituals for their livestock. Oh, okay. I'm mentioning this because this is another misunderstood and oddly portrayed like animal sacrifice thing. <laughs> right. Exactly. So pagans would use all kinds of symbols, right? Um, we would use stars. We would use all kinds of things. All of these symbols have been hijacked. We could do a whole episode on that. Yes. But these symbols were drawn and used for like protection. And so livestock was brought into these circles and they were blessed and protected because they were, many of them were about to give birth or about to be at the time where you really needed their milk or, or you know, the beef from them eventually. Like, so this is a time when they would be doing rituals to protect them. Right. Now, some cultures involved animal sacrifice at this time, but I want you to hear animal sacrifice and just know that it was not just like kill an animal for fun. That was never a thing. Right. It was, they would kill the animal and then they would use all of its parts. They would eat it. They would, um, they would re- re- like use some of the nutrients from different organs for different animals that they had. So it was done respectfully through most cultures that I can see. It's just that it reads weird now. Does that make sense? Yeah. I was just going to say, I think it's like portrayed now in film and stuff that it's like, someone's angrily like lopping the head off of an animal and like there's blood everywhere and then the animal's just left to die. I mean, it's this very aggressive, um, violent exchange. Yes. Not so. And I, I, I'm not going to say that in every culture there wasn't something like bloody or maybe a bit violent happening. Like I'm sure there was somewhere, but it was never for like devil worship. Again, there was no devil in pagan culture. Like it was never anything evil. It was, certainly seen as a way to ensure protection over all of the things that you have. Yeah. They weren't trying to harm animals. It was, it wasn't. Animals were too valuable to to just harm them for no reason. Right. Um, You'll love this one, Jamie, but they used to have um, on, on midsummer, any woman who was menstruating, they would ask her to walk through the fields to bleed on all of the soil. Yes. I do love that. (laughs) <laughs> will, you, will you say will you something about how valuable and like sacred menstrual blood used to be the whole process of menstruating was um revered and honored in ancient cultures it was a time when women were receiving and still currently when we receive our most intuitive downloads it was when women came together to um plan and plot what was going to happen with crops and in like in the village or the tribe, depending on when we're talking about. Um, And menstrual blood was seen as like a really powerful symbol of, of intuitive knowledge. Mm -hmm. And something only women had. Right. So if you're going to talk about like, let's make, let's take away women's power, you know, men feeling maybe threatened by that in some way in patriarchal culture, let's make, periods and period blood very taboo and kind of gross you know where we have to hide yeah we hide our pad for in our pocket when we walk to the bathroom when like almost half of the population is like goes through this process it makes no sense I, i want you to know it was so honored back then that anybody bleeding on midsummer would walk through all of the fields to bleed on them and this was like so honored and and 
people were so grateful. Like as a woman, you, you hoped you could be one of the women menstruating on midsummer. <laughs> um, this is also midsummer is a big time for weddings. Okay. Um, now there's a lot of different reasons, but I can tell you that in May it was seen as sort of like the time, um, you know, back for a Beltane where the two, the God and the goddess were uniting. So it right. was like sort of not a good idea for humans to try to unite at that time. Like that's the God and goddess time will unite after that's over. Right. Okay. Okay. It wasn't unheard of, but it wasn't considered very lucky to do. Right. So people would then, once that was over, they would get married um, a lot in June. And I found a lot of evidence to this, but the, I'll reference it to Irish culture. Back in pagan times, most people got married once the woman was pregnant. Like after oh. that, they got married. Really? Yeah. It's different. <laughs> different. So you had your sexy Sabbath in Beltane. Okay. Uh, now yeah. around the summer, you realize that you're pregnant. And so if you want to, you would get married now. Right, exactly. And marriage was different then. It wasn't this like legal contract. It was this combining of lives and energy. Yeah, it was a it was a ceremony. You can still see like hand fasting ceremonies sort of representing a lot of that. It was a ceremony where you were just uniting your two lives together and it it was not like legally binding. It was just like a choice. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I want to tell you a little bit about pagan weddings. Okay. <laughs> um, here's some things that they would do. They would share and feed each other cake. Okay. Familiar. They would toss rice. Huh. They would have um, young women toss flower petals. <laughs> familiar, yes. Okay. They would wear a white dress, which had nothing to do with purity white represented the most powerful goddesses which were the virgin goddesses so um white was considered a powerful color so women would wear the powerful color of white to their wedding right now it's purity gross yeah exactly um they exchanged these magical symbols to each other called rings ah, <laughs> that wow. represented the circle of life and the wheel of the year Women wore garters, which were made of wreaths on their legs. Uh -huh. And um, men would carry the women over the threshold when they came home after their wedding. Jesus. It's all pagan. The whole thing. Yeah, the whole ceremony. The whole thing. Isn't it amazing? It's amazing. Like you said, that it's still tradition somehow. It's It survived. Yeah. So, you again, you've got that sort of like... I'm just going to say like that weird great aunt who's like very prudish and thinks anything pagan is bad still. Right. Um, I bet you she did all that stuff at her wedding. Exactly. I mean, your pagan stuff is still being done in modern culture all the time. It's just not recognized for what it is. Right. We just don't know why we're doing it. Yes. And then the last thing I want to rep that I want to talk about with Midsummer is that this is when the Oak King and the Holly King battle again. Oh, and this time, yes, this time the Holly King wins, which means it's going to begin um, the waning year. Okay, perfect.
Okay. Last, but certainly not least, we have the hardest one to say <laughs> for me, <laughs> which is Lunasa. Okay. Yes. I've heard this pronounced so many different ways. It's spelled L-U-G-H-N-A-S-A-D-H. Um, I say Lunasa. How do you say it? I say it close to that too. It's it, I've heard it so many different ways. Yeah. Again, the reason is, is because there's so many different cultures and so many different ways of pronouncing things. So it, there really isn't wrong or right. That's the one I'm going with because it's the closest I can get to saying it. Agreed. This one happens on August 1st or August 2nd. It was hard to pick one date, so I'm just going to give you them both. Um, the, it was one of these two days in most cultures that this was celebrated. Right. Um, Lunasa is the Celtic word that means August. It directly translates to August. Okay. <laughs> okay. This is all about birth, this one. Okay. So this is um, the first of the three harvests. So this is when most of the stuff is actually like coming in. I know when I plant my garden, coming into August is exciting because everything's starting to bloom. I can pick it and eat it. It's very exciting for me. Right. <laughs> this is. This is that time of year. So some things that went on, it was a big time for grain festivals and corn festivals. Um, still things we celebrate now, for sure. Um, some other symbols of this are fresh fruit and pigs were a big symbol of um, Lunasa. Okay. Um, this was a time where you were thanking the goddess for her first birth of the three she was going to do, representing the first of the three harvests. Right. So it was a very, like, grateful time, but it was also like, okay, now we get to prep for the next one. Right, exactly. Now, the next one's going to be Maybon, which is what we, you know, you heard me talk about in the last episode is like modern day Thanksgiving. So it's the big one. So this is like, yay, it's starting to come in and like really still working towards um, getting to the second harvest. Right. Cause you have to get enough to get you through the winter. Exactly. So this is a time where stuff's coming in and you're excited, but you're still working really hard to make sure all of this stuff is coming in because like you said, it your survival in the winter depends on it. Exactly. Um, the saying, you know, the modern day saying, take the bull by the horns. Yes. That comes from a pagan tradition. Did you know that? I did not actually. Didn't. So ancient pagan Minoans would actually channel the energy of Lunasa into a bull and then jump on and try to ride it. Huh. And so the person who went and took the bull by the horns was saying like, I'm going to, I'm going to take a real active role in these harvests this year. Is that like bull riding now? Kind of. Yes. Wow. That's weird. Very weird. I know. Um, this was a big time for baking bread mm -hmm. and making corn dolls. Oh, right. Still thinks my grandmother has a weird corn doll thing on her wall that I've always been really drawn to, but kind of found creepy. Oh. Um, so I love sort of knowing the actual origin of that now. Yeah, that that's very interesting. Yes. Um, and then I just want to tell you one more part of Lunasa. This is going to be your final quiz. Are you oh. ready? Okay. There is a tradition, and it was, this was a very important tradition. It was considered a very sacred thing to do because, again, we're really we're grateful for the stuff coming in, but we really need it to keep on going, and we really need to get to Maybon, and you have a really great harvest then too. Okay. Right. 
So they would do something called bread passing, where you would sit in a circle and you would take a loaf of bread. And as you would, you would pass the loaf of bread and everyone would break off a piece of that bread for themselves to represent the unity of everybody working together to have a good harvest and good things to come in. And as you took a, a piece of bread, you would say something that you were grateful for. And you would also say something that referenced the unity of everybody taking from the same piece of the same loaf of bread. Is this the body of Christ? Yes. This is is it really? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So this I've was a heard that. Yeah, this was an ancient Lunasa tradition. Now, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure the idea of sharing food and bread has many different cultural references through the Sabbaths, but this one was very specific to what we do now or what they do now in church for communion. So there you go. Wow, did not know that, and I bet a lot of Catholics don't know that. There you go, Lunasa, baby. So that's where it comes from. It's a pagan tradition. I like it. Jay, this was a lot of fun talking to you about Sabbaths and pagan traditions because I love them, and revisiting them every time I do makes me feel so good. Same. I learn something new every time because there's so much of it that, like, you never know all of it. Me too. Same thing. Or something hits you different. Like, you might have heard it, but, like, now it means something different to you. So Right. Agreed. Thanks for doing this with me, Jay. Yeah, thanks for all the research you put into this on all the Sabbaths. I mean, it's so so interesting, but also really, really informative. And I think it can be helpful to people. Yeah. I, I propose we bring it back. Let's let's celebrate the Sabbaths these ways instead of the way that we do the modern holidays. I'm just, I'm throwing it out there. Well, right. And I think that like you said before, is that like we see like witches is like around cauldrons and we have this weird vision. But if you actually start to think of these Sabbaths, not as like this strange, like witchy spell casting stuff. And it's just like appreciating everyday life. It can be really fun and also like really powerful. Oh, agreed. I, I think with everything going on in the world right now, I feel I feel sort of sick of myself saying that statement, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> with everything going on right now, having something where you turn back to honoring the earth, honor, honoring all different cultures in, in all of the ancestral line and the coming together to, to make change and, and combining tradition to find what serves you. Like we just need this now. We really, really do. And we need to get away from so much separation and this is how we're different. And this is how you're not good enough and shame. And that just, that creates this toxic environment that we're in right now. So if there's ever a time to, to shift to something different, I think it's now baby. I think it works for now. I think so too. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna make you some um, some heather wine and make you drink it with me. Yes. Can't wait. <laughs> Can't we'll wait. report back. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Thanks, Jay. All right. Talk to you soon. Hey, thanks for listening to our episode. For show notes and a place to send feedback, please visit our website, embodylove.me slash intuitivegirls. Again, that's embodylove.me slash intuitivegirls.